Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Word is Very Nigh Unto Thee. It will be focused on the study of Deuteronomy chapter 30. We'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word which is so nigh unto us. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then that same word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and now it it dwells in us. You said, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you may ask what you will and you will have it. We thank you, Lord, that we abide in you and you abide in us through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Chapter 30. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul. For this commandment, which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live 
and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, God's Only Provided Place of Worship. This was preached in 1965 on November the 28th in the morning. We'll begin at paragraph 76 up to paragraph 141. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Now the word Deuteronomy, the word itself means two laws. The word Deuteronomy. And God has two laws. The two laws, one of them is disobedient to the word and die. And the other is obedience to the word and live. That's the two laws. And Deuteronomy means those two laws. They have both been absolutely displayed to us in the scripture. One of them is death. The other one is life. Life and death. God deals only in life, Satan only in death. And these was displayed to the world, publicly, openly, before every eye, and there's no excuse for it. One of them was displayed on Mount Sinai, when the law was given which condemned the whole human race to death. The other was given on Mount Calvary, that brought the whole human race to life when the penalty was paid in Jesus Christ. The two laws of Deuteronomy was fulfilled and these two great things. I want you to notice again, there was also two covenants given. One covenant was given to Adam, which was on conditions like law. If you will not touch this, then you will live. But if you touch this, you will die. That was a law. Then there was another law given to Abraham, which was by grace, unconditionally. I have saved you and your seed. Amen. That is a type of Calvary. Not the type of, of, of uh, Adam covenant. It's an Abrahamic covenant. But now, we hear him say, there is only one place where he will meet man to worship. We read it right here in the text. We'll refer to it back in a few minutes. Then if there's only one place that God meets man, we'd better be very careful. Now let's lay aside our traditions this morning and in this Sunday school lesson and be very sure that we find that one place. Because God has said here, He will not 
receive you in any other place. Any other church he won't receive you in, only in his church. It's the only place he'll receive you. Now, what you say, Brother Bam, if I'm sincere? No. Remember, Jesus talked to some sincere people, the worshiper for his day, and he said, In vain do you worship me. True, genuine worship. From the bottom of their hearts. In vain do you worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of man. Or the denominational creed. Sincere, reverently, just as religious as they can be. And that wasn't new just with the Pharisees. Cain and Abel, the first two worshipers that was born, natural birth here on earth, absolutely came in the same attitude. Cain was just as religious as Abel was. They both built altars. They both loved God. They both made sacrifices. They both worshipped. They both paid tithe. They both done everything just alike. But Abel, by faith, which is the revelation, the Word of God, revealed, made plain, showed out, and vindicated. Glory. Cain made an offering, but God didn't vindicate it. God required worship, and Cain made the offering, but God didn't vindicate it. But by the true channel, you say, well, my church is it. Wait just a minute. God interprets His own Word. By its terms that is spoken. See, Cain said, I am religious. I am a lover of my maker. I offer to thee this fine altar. I offer you this sacrifice. I build all these things up, Lord, because I love you. Abel said the same thing. Now it's the one that's vindicated. The one that's proven. And God come down and received Abel's sacrifice because by revelation he had struck the true channel of God that was accepted. Now watch that Cain spirit come right down through the scripture, right on to this very last day. Fundamental, just as fundamental as the other must. Look at the prophet Balaam and the prophet Moses. Both of them with seven altars, Jehovah's altars, blood on each one. And not only that, but rams on each one. In numerology, exactly the right number, seven, perfect, seven rams, just exactly like both altars. As fundamental as one was, the other was also. But who did God vindicate? The one that was in his word. Fundamental doesn't mean too much. It's the revelation of God. Now think, these men, why was they called and was put in this condition? These Pharisees by Jesus said, In vain you worship me. Worship him. Genuine worship. True worship from the hearts. You, in vain you worship me. Why? Teaching for doctrine. The tradition of man. Therefore, you make the commandments of God of no effect to the people. If I taught you a Methodist message, it would take no effect on you. This is bride time. If Moses taught the message 
of Noah, it would take no effect. If Jesus taught Moses' message, it would take no effect. Because the predestinated seed are laying there that will only be watered by that type of water that's given for that seed. It won't grow any other conditions. It must be the conditions that grows it. Now, you can take a chicken egg and put it in an incubator which should be under a hen, but it'll hatch anyhow. Put it under a pup, it would hatch. It's the warmness, the conditions that makes it hatch. So it has to be under conditions. You can take a good live egg and put it under a dead hen, it won't hatch. It's the conditions. Well, that's the way it is in this age that we're living in. You've got to find what is God's way of doing it for this age. That's what Martin Luther found. That's what John Wesley found. That's what the Pentecostals found in their age. God's age in time to do it. Now, the Pentecostals, that brother, one, I believe he's, one of his eyes was out, a colored brother, who really started the Pentecostal message in California, the old Azusa Street. He was laughed at because he was a Negro. He was made fun of. But he brought a message for that age. Just a little body of fellow could hardly sign his own name. But the Lord had revealed to him that this was the age for the restoration of those gifts. And it come. No matter what said, it's come. But everybody got in the atmosphere of it and seen it was that age and seen God vindicating those people could speak with tongues and so forth. It happened. But then when he went and pinned it down to this is the only evidence that killed it. Amen. Go right on. Amen. That did it. Then they started separating this, that, and making denominations. And one's coming on the cloud, and the other's coming to the bush. And, oh my. There it goes. That's what denominations do. God is not an author of denomination because denomination is babbling, and he's not the author of confusion. We see our own. You don't have to be even intellectual to see that. It's babbling. Tradition. Think of it, sincere people. Now, still because they believe that, there still needs to be one sincere place where God meets. Now notice verse 2. Worship in the place that I have chosen. The sacrifice, of course, where they worshiped or the sacrifice. The place that I chose. Not what you chose, what man chose, but what I have chosen. You worship in this place. There shows there's then only one place. Others is vain. It must be not of your choice, but it must be his choice. Well, I don't have to go to the church. You are so narrow-minded. Why, you even fuss at women about... Preaching, uh, women about bobbing the hair, man about these other things. Why, you're so narrow-minded? All right, you don't have to take God's way. You go on out where they do that at. Amen. You'll find out it's in the Scripture, so in vain do they worship me. Jesus spoke of the same thing. See? That every little job, everything... You must be faithful in. It's always the little, the little vine, the little, the little fox that spoils the vine. Sometimes you leave. It's not the big things you do; it's the little things you leave undone. 
Remember, a chain is only as strongest as weakest link. Blessed are they that do all the commandments of God, that they might have a right to enter in. Do all God said. If it said for women to have long hair, you say, a man told me not long ago, I don't preach a clothesline religion. I said, then you're not preaching the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. God laid it out there. He said what to do. And you either do it. That's your natural reasonable thing. What little thing, what the little insignificant. Jesus said, blessed are they that would take all the little things. Do the little things. And a woman to let her hair grow. That's just a, well, that's just something she can do. And she won't even do that. She won't even do that. Or oh, teach us the great things. How can you teach the great things when you won't do the simple? Because you see, your motive and your objective is wrong. It's your love to God. Lord, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm willing to do it. Then you're getting somewhere. But if you don't do it that way, well, he said do it. It's his choosing. The place that I have chosen. That's where you worship with your sacrifice. Cain brought his sacrifice. Abel brought his. It depends on what place you take it into. If you take it into the place where he's chosen, it'll be all right. He'll accept it. If it's not, he won't accept it. Don't care. It's the same sacrifice, whatever it is. It's still unrejected unless it's brought to that one certain place. Now we want to find out where we want to bring this sacrifice. We can find out we all want to go to heaven, don't we? And we all know we've done wrong. We all believe that Jesus is the sacrifice. Now we won't know where to take it. It'll be, it'll be accepted. That's the idea. The Bible tells us where to take it. And it'll be accepted. Outside of there, it won't be accepted. Let us notice here also the place that he chose for the sacrifice to be laid. The place that he chose to put the sacrifice. You can't put it on any of these gates. But the place that he chose to put it, he also put his name in that place. That's what he said here. He chose to put his name in it. Now let us search the scriptures for this place. For that is the place where he put his name. Now let's read from the text. And I had a little note laying here that this morning come to me. Let's take the second verse of this chapter. I don't want to hold too long on account of the people on these hookups out here. Now the second verse of this 16th chapter. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of thy flocks and thy herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to put his name there. Now you can't take this, your sincerity and all that you want to confess, you just can't take it to the Methodist altar, to a Baptist altar, to a Pentecostal altar. But there is an altar somewhere that he chose that he to put his name in it, and he would meet you at that place. Now, if you get everything running just right, it's going to run. Everything's set in order. If there's a short in that wire, that light won't come on because it's been grounded. When you take one of God's words or one of His places and in your own heart have selfish objectives, it'll ground the power of God right there. 
you do it because you want to be smart, you want to be different from somebody else or something, right there it's grounded. In a blow the fuse. You're wrong. You've got to come with sincerity. With all your heart, your motives and your objectives, place right on God. Then search for His place, find where He said it, and bring it there. See? Look at Martha and Mary. When Jesus had come back after He had taught them this gospel, the light of His day, Him being Messiah, He was hated, rejected. All the Pharisees and churches despised Him. But Lazarus had died, the brother, which was a bosom friend to him. He let him lay down. They sent for him. He didn't even come. But watch Martha, her attitude. She said, Lord, if thou would have been here, give him his right title. Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh, Jehovah, glory. If thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. Life and death can't associate in the same channel, the same house. Amen. Thou would, he would have not have died. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in life, saith God. When he said first, thy brother shall live again. She said, yes, Lord. I truly believe that. As a Jewish, I believe that there will be a general resurrection of the dead. And I believe my brother was just as loyal and sincere and worship. And I believe that you are that Messiah that's said in the Bible because God vindicating his word in you shows that you're the messenger of this hour. You are that Messiah. I believe that you are that Christ that was to come because your works testify that God has sent you here to be that Messiah. Oh, my. What's the cause beginning to come in place now? See? Now, she had a right to say, Why didn't you come raise my brother? Why didn't you heal him? You healed others. Your very best friend. And that, look what happened. No, no. That kind of objective don't get nowhere. I believe that you're exactly what you're identified in the Scripture to be. I believe this is the day that the Messiah should come. We've been looking for it. I don't care what the rest of them say. I believe with all my heart by what I have seen and heard by the Word, that the Word is vindicated in you, that you are that Messiah. Amen. See, way down in her, she, she had something to ask for, but she had to come to the right channel. What she right there said, And then you tell me you're that Messiah. And not even the courtesy gentleman enough to even answer our request when we fed you and housed you and everything and tuck up for you and left their churches as you commanded us to get out of them denominations. And here we've left it. And now we're counted offcast and renegade and everything that we've done for you. And then not even the common courtesy to answer my call. Now, actually, she had that right. Like you say about your short hair. I'm an American citizen. I can wear shorts to anything I want to. It's not illegal. That's your right. But a sheep always forfeits its right. Amen. Your lamb. He ain't got nothing but wool. He forfeits that. That's his God-given rights, but he forfeits I have a right to join any denomination. That's exactly right. But you forfeit that. She forfeit all that she had rights to, to recognize the Word of God manifested right there before 
He said, uh, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believe us out this? See, there's one more little cause she hadn't come in line with. Yeah, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, brother. Everything is ready to spark off right then. See, where have you laid him? You know what took place? See, you've got to get in that right place before he will receive your sacrifice. You've got to come into it. Watch. In the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread in it. What does that typify the sacrifice? Don't mix it with any creed. It's got to be the word. No leavened bread. Leaven is the... You know what a leaven is to me? Little leaven leavens the whole lump. The whole lump is the body. You can't put one speck of denomination or creed into Christ. No, sir. It won't work. You remember the... Last Thursday night's message? Yes, sir. Your old husband must be dead. Your new husband is the Word. Seven days shall thou eat unleavened bread therein. Seven days, what does that typify? The complete seven church ages. Seven days. Why do they have to eat it seven days? Before what? Before going out. And the whole church age from the beginning to the end has to live only on the Word of God of that age. So your Roman creed, Methodist, Baptist, and Pentecostal creed's all dead. Watch. Therein. Even the bread of affliction persecuted for it. Luther, Wesley, Pentecostals all persecuted. So will you. For thou comest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste. Thou mayest remain the day when, uh, remember the day when thou comest forth out of the land of Egypt, all the days of thy life, and there shall be no leavened bread seen in, with thee in all thy coast seven days. In the beautiful bride of Christ, after her death through the dark ages by the Roman Empire, that she had to die unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground. The bridegroom had to come, the perfect masterpiece of God. You all heard my message on that. When I stood down in Los Angeles, the forest lawn one day, and my heart jumped. How many has ever been in forest lawn? There is a, the statue of Moses, by, by Angelo, I believe it is, Michelangelo. And it's a perfect statue, all but on the right knee. There is a nick about half inch deep. And the guide, I was looking and he pointed out to me. He said, Michelangelo has spent a lifetime of trying to, to make, he was a sculpture, and he was trying to make the image of Moses. Back in his mind, he had in mind what Moses should look like. He had that in his heart. What Moses should look like. And then he spent his lifetime chisel a little here, rub it, 
stand back and look at it, year after year after year he worked on it. Finally, when it was completed, and he stepped back and laid down his rag and his hammer, he looked at the statue. It was so perfect. The image of Moses that he had in his heart till he got so beside himself, he grabbed the hammer and struck it all speed. It's called Michelangelo's masterpiece. That great something in that sculpture, that vision that he had of what Moses ought to be with, was only portraying in type of the great Father God. He had in his heart before the foundation of the world a son because he is a father. But it was still in the chains of his word. And he created a man. And he had to put him on free moral agency. But that man fell. But the great sculpture God who made man from the dust of the earth, he didn't settle for that. He started making man again. And he made a Noah. He died drunk. He made a Moses that failed to keep his word. He made prophets that run in the time of trouble. And he kept building and molding until after a while. He wanted a, a masterpiece to reflect him, his nature. What was in his heart, what a son should be. One day down on Jordan, after that masterpiece had been formed and made, here he comes sending down in a, on the wings of a dove. said, this is him. He was so enthused with this masterpiece until he struck him on Calvary that he'd die for the rest of us as imperfect that through the shedding of his blood he might bring many masterpieces being a bride to his son. Masterpieces guard because the enthusiasm of God to see such a masterpiece he struck him for us all. There he died. To perfect we who are imperfect. The masterpiece. Notice in here he said Seven days shall you eat this unleavened bread. Now, bread is type. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Not just this word here and there. As denominations that have you believe it. But the word of God is perfect. It's God himself in letter form. Called a seed. And the right kind of unadulterated faith in that word will bring that seed to its life. That's exactly what you see at night in the discernments and all these other things because it's a promise that God made. And he stood by me and told me that. And told me these fakers would rise up and hold study. I believe it. And no selfish motive to hurt anybody, but to be reverent to God. And to do the work that he called me to do. That's why I say these things. Amen. And God confirms it back and receives the offer and the sacrifice by vindicating it to be the truth. Amen. No question to it. 
Now, watch that word. Now we notice here, seven days. That's forever church age. Now, as that masterpiece had to die, in order to be resurrected to redeem us all, then he had a church sitting in order at Pentecost. But that church had to go through a sacrifice. And the Roman world killed it. Put it in the ground. Is this author of this book, I can't think of it now, made so much fun of me. Instead of all of the devils, it's William Branham. See, uh, uh, that's what the devil tries to say. He said, visions and things. So that's of the devil. He said, or he's some kind of a hypnotist. Or working in superstition perception. The intellectual world always trying to figure it out. That's where they tried to figure out, Jesus, how do you do these things? What do he said, I'll ask you a question. Was the ministry of John the Baptist, was it of God or was it of man? Say, we can't say, said, neither do I tell you. That's right. It went on. From henceforth, no man asked him anything. He just cut him off. He didn't tell him nothing about it. None of their business. He had a work to do and he finished it. God help us to do the same thing. We don't have to answer the devil's questions. That's right. If thou be, do so and so. You're responsible for that gospel. A preacher is, and that's all. Amen. Not how it's written, it's just responsible for sin. As a servant, if you're a prophet, you're responsible to God. If the visions that comes that lightens this scripture and shows what it is, you're responsible for every word that's in that Bible. Because it was all wrote for the same kind of people you are. God of old moved by the prophets and wrote the Holy, the Holy Bible. No genuine prophet of God could deny one word of it, but believe every word. Amen. Preach the same. And then God's obligated out of that channel to make that word come to pass just exactly the way it's promised. Amen. The seed will grow. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mighty love. We thank you for the provided place of worship, which is in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the word which is with us, even in the form of the pillar of fire, the same way it was with the first exodus and now with this second exodus as we go to the promised land of eternal life and no more suffering, no more pain, and no more mortality. Father, we look forward to that great day where it says, All earth is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Help us to be faithful until that day. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
this morning. Amen. Has it changed you? Praise God. Amen. I'm thankful for Brother Peter Briner here today in the service. Amen. God bless you, Brother Peter. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe we can sing the second verse again. So we sing the second verse. Uh, Sister Michelle, if you can sing it, we'll sing along with you. Holy words of our faith. Oh 
this is the cry of our heart. Word of God, changing me, changing you. Hallelujah. Why don't we just sing it again a time or two? Word of God. 